Welcome to the Music City Scene, a podcast for independent musicians and independent listeners. Coming to you from the Music City of Nashville, Tennessee, we will do interviews with independent musicians, focusing on and telling the story behind their music, their journey, and where you can hear and see them. In addition, we'll provide tips and places to go and things to do when you are in the Music City. Hello. Welcome to the Music City Scene. I'm Tony here with my guest co host, Jennifer this Jenkins. Is, this is like the guest that overstays her welcome. <laughs> yeah. Good she evening, everybody. Well, overstayed that. Or good welcome. morning, or whenever you're listening in. So, first off, I have to apologize. I'm sorry I'm late. Yeah, I'm did, sure. I'm did sure. I tell everybody I have a full time job? I think you've done that. Yeah. And I'm sure all of the um, four. Regular listeners that might tune in have been waiting with bated breath for the next week to come. But for those of you who are just catching up from the beginning, I'm sure this is just rolling into the next episode. So nothing to apologize for. Yeah, they're still listening to the last one. Right. Hour and a half. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, trying to start a new business and do a podcast, which, uh, by the way, since I brought it up, you know, this is going to be a shameless promotion. But if you need to ship anything... (laughs) From a letter internationally to a container. Maybe we could do some music here. Yeah. like International um, domestic call me. I can hook you up. Right? <laughs> that was shameless. Very shameless. No, but I, I think um, we're a little late for a couple of things. And part of it is deer season is coming. So I had to uh, had to get my deer camp ready. Yeah. And, and I'm watching him get his deer camp ready. I did get some poison ivy traipsing through the woods with you a week or two ago, just trying to get away. And as we sit here and record this, I have my 12-year-old nephew, Hunter. Hunter, say hi. Hi. Listening in to this recording or this intro for the High Jivers. He's actually been fascinated with this whole concept, and he's been playing with the mics and the earphones and listening to past episodes. And so it's pretty cool that... I think the podcast concept, maybe it has legs with the next generation as well. We'll see. But uh, yeah, so I've had my nephew staying with us and, and really due to COVID, he can he can homeschool. So we're doing some of that. Yeah. And, you know, I think school is back in in a lot of places. If you come to Nashville, I believe it's it's going. I'm not really sure how they do it, but they are. Well, the, the thing is, we thought we were past all this. We have kids out of the house. And so... Uh, all the challenges that a lot of young families are facing or families with kids have just been more observed from us. And gosh, that must be rough. And now uh, we're starting to feel just a tiny ounce of your pain. But um, that, that's that got to be really, really tough because the rules are changing. Every school's different. Every district is different. Um, there's so many options, whether you want to go in or don't want to go in. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how long this becomes normal. Well, it gets more normal every day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, things are still, what, half open here. You know, I'm very depressed when we go on a bike ride and we go down to the Bicentennial Park that normally has these great fountains in the summertime and the fountains aren't on. You know, some of the restaurants are open. The ones that are, are busy. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So it's just, it's, it's just interesting times, right? <laughs> 
It's crazy. I think for all six episodes, we've said that. In fact, I think one of the last ones I was listening back, I think we tagged hashtag mask life, (laughs) as we described trying to navigate through uh, daily life, mask on, mask off, mask on, mask off. And I, and I think the interesting thing here with this show is we're going to introduce the hijivers. And if you have not heard of them, it's time that you buckled up and learned who they are. The thing is, this COVID for a band like them has, you know, I think that they were really on this great trajectory coming up to COVID. And then in the last, what, six months, probably beginning of March, they had a huge year planned. Things changed. You know, at first they were changing, you know, daily, then it was hourly, and then, you know, things started getting canceled. And they had some international tours or international shows that were booked and just really kind of put them into a bad spot, which which it did that for a lot of musicians. I don't care if you're, you know, backed up by the, the Music City machine or something else, it, it put everything to sleep. Yeah, most definitely. I think what was really interesting about this interview, one, I, I was really excited uh, that we had it booked because they're one of the bands as we started to really, again, get off mainstream music and start to explore the corners of Nashville and all the undiscovered or or somewhat discovered, but not um, not as well-known venues and, and performers, we were introduced to the High Jivers and really loved them from the first time we saw them and started to track them down and see them play in certain spots. And so they are definitely, I think, the heart and soul of what this podcast, what inspired this podcast is their kind of story. So, you know, hearing, you'll hear from them in this podcast, just their whole journey and really starting to rise up. And as Tony just said, it's like, you're just about to really start to hit stride and some big things happen. And then there's just this big wet blanket of no performing and no venues and no gigs that hits you. But they're an act that, came to Nashville from upstate New York, which uh, is a place that that we lived for a few years. So we had some things in common there. But they, as we said, they gained more and more independent popularity since they started, not just in Nashville, but internationally as well. And so this year has been tough for them. And we sure hope that uh, things start to turn around and they can get back out there. But when you are in Nashville, places where you could hear the Hijivers, uh, Acme, uh, Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar, which is in Nashville's Printer's Alley, right next to a place called Skulls. Cool and, spot. And we'll get more into the High Jivers before we introduce them and, and get into the interview. But first, let's get into some of the places that we talked about, which I think, does that not make it time for the Sucking on a Chili Dog segment? It sure does. Cue music. talk about skulls first of all so we we mentioned that they perform and 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 are a regular at bourbon street blues and boogie bar in printer's alley and there's a there's a few venues in that area but you know the the two that we have been to are skulls and bourbon street blues and boogie which uh, skulls is probably one of my favorite places to eat it is very good i surprisingly i mean for the name skulls doesn't sound, it sounds more like a 
biker bar dive, but it's really very good. Um, excellent cuisine. Always a excellent steaks. Top notch chef. I think the owner and, sh- and lead chef is always there in house checking everything. So really good food. Not not budget friendly necessarily, but really good quality. But the coolest part is it, it's vibe. It's like you feel like you're in a speakeasy or you know, kind of sun. It, it's very the, the stone walls and the basement of a building, um, an un, uncovered gem that came up from you know whether I think it was the flood of 2010 in Nashville that really helped them start to peel back the history of this spot and create this awesome restaurant. And its history is really rich. Yeah, I was thinking we. I'm not even going to get into it. I, I wouldn't tell it right, but I will tell you if you get a chance, you're in Nashville. You have to have a reservation. Um, if you know you're going to be here a week before, make the reservation because generally what I find is when things are busy in this town, you can't get in there um, without having made a reservation a week or two in advance. For dinner. But, you know, they are open for lunch and they have a really good lunch menu. So if you still want to kind of check it out and the servers and anybody in there knows some of the history, there's just ask for a few of the stories um, of what's happened inside those walls and who's been on that stage. And you'll get some really cool stories um, out of it. And then um, I think one of Tony's favorites events that they yeah, host. We, can, we couldn't skip that. No, he, he, he for date night. Uh, one of his favorite things to, uh, to plan for us is the burlesque one night. Of my favorite things to take in. <laughs> And and participate in. He he tends to try and get front row seats so that the uh, feather boas get wrapped around his neck. And I have been in the show a few times. Some some tassels, um, some props that somehow end up getting flung across the room. It actually is a very classy, very talented, really good show, and it's not um it's not offensive. It's actually very very uh, seductive. It's fun <laughs> if you're into tassels. <laughs> but anyway, so check out Skulls. I think it's probably Skulls.com. But here's the thing. You can go to a place like Skulls, get a nice dinner, and then walk right next door to the Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar, which, by the way, you can get food there, too. We've we've gone for dinner and, and watched a show at... Right? There you go. Yep, that's a great... Sounds like a great night out. And all up and down Printer's Alley, you'll find some other neat places just to duck into. Um, there's a, a British pub... Uh, that you can dive down into. There's some other um, karaoke and lots of other things. So kind of a sketchy looking little alley, but with a lot of fun. So make sure you make that one of your stops when you come. Well, let's get on to the hijivers here so we can get this interview going. So introducing the hijivers, it started, well, I'm not going to say it started with just one or two people. If This interview is with Austin John and Donna Zahn, who I, I believe are probably the founders of hijivers that... And I'm not going to throw the other guys under the bus because they had just as much to do with it as well. But we'll get into them here in a second. But Austin John and Donna Zahn, lead singer and lead guitarist for the Hijivers, were musicians in their own right in Auburn, New York. Yeah, but that's where they met. They, I think, were back in high school together, played in bands. Yeah, they, they said they to... really didn't know each other that well in high school. Yeah, yeah. But they you know, were kind of playing in the same circles, I think. And um, between that and maybe a little romance sparking. Um, and then I think Austin was the one who made the jump to come to Nashville and convince, you know, convince Donna to come. So that's where things started here. But I thought it was interesting too. And this is again, 
the cool part of this podcast. He knew clearly when they came down, they didn't want to get right into that country music scene. They were looking for the turn left, turn right, don't go down that mainstream of I'm just a struggling country music artist. Um, they found they had to find their way, and that's not as easy to do. You got to kind of really navigate and network and figure out where to be seen. Yeah, and so they moved here in 2014. They jumped right in. Uh, they put together the High Jivers, adding Hank Miles on the upright bass, which great bass player, and Jason Smay on drums, great drummer. I mean, if you see these guys play live, it it's like it's magic. Yep, there's a lot of great chemistry with that group, but. Uh- and I'm sure they've had their ups and downs, but for them, I think probably more up as they've been really well received over the last six years. Part of the well received, but I think the other thing that stood out to me is that they never had a poor us struggling artist mindset. I, they always, you know, had jobs. They kept things going. They, you know, like I know it's had ups and downs, but I feel like they've really been pretty self sufficient. And not letting, not waiting for the big moment to happen, but just really grinding it out and, and being where they needed to be. It's interesting to hear in this interview the artistic process that they have, which, uh, you know, I think from everyone that we've interviewed here, it's a different process. I think for Austin, you know, he says the last six months, COVID for him has allowed him to play a lot more than he was before. But he'll also tell you in this interview that. You know, when they moved to Nashville and they first started getting into the scene and starting playing in different places, you know, you go from playing maybe one night, four hours a week to playing every night, eight hours a week. And your guitar skills are going to just go through the roof. And I think Austin is one of these guys that is serious about his guitar playing. He is awesome. Very, very talented guitarist. And so that's what makes... That's what makes the difference. The other thing that I took away from this interview, and not to, you know, I don't want to kind of steal all the thunder because there's a lot of great stories here that you're going to hear, um, but their whole scene around these music festivals, and I have a feeling a lot of listeners that are, are interested in this podcast are probably those that are fans of some of these really cool music festivals, and it's really not a scene that Tony and I have spent a ton of time pursuing, been to a few here and there, but I, I have a feeling that that's a place where you can really uncover some great art um, artists and musicians and, and, and it gets them on the road and out of, out of just Nashville. So, well, and I would say for them, even though, you know, they're still in this, this spot where they're holding down a job, they're trying to make the music work. They are absolute pure music professionals in every sense of the word. And when I say that, you know, I talked about Austin and his guitar playing. Think about Donna. Her voice is a throwback. Completely. Yeah. And, and it, it'll surprise you. So as you get ready and you kind of sit down to watch and you see him take the stage and then she just starts opening up and belting out, oh, it just blows you away. The the rich voice that comes out um, of her, of her. So it's, it's awesome. So some recent things with them. They just released probably what a month or two ago, a 45 vinyl. Check that out. Go to their website, buy it. I highly recommend it. And then things to look for from them coming up as we still, you know, kind of get through this COVID time. But unfortunately, Hank Miles, their upright bass player, is is leaving the band. And you'll hear in the interview there, you know, he's pursuing something that he wants to. He's a custom car guy, so he's going down to Austin to work in a custom car shop. And 
do something that he's wanted to do. And I'm sure he'll continue to pursue his music once he's in Austin, but they will be debuting at some point a new upright bass player. That's exciting. It's kind of one of the the unveilings that will happen post-COVID. So we're all anxious to see what happens there. But he was very talented, and I have no doubt that they'll find somebody uh, right at, the, at on par with that for sure. And as far as where to see them upcoming, this is just recent, but they are booked this Saturday night at the Bourbon Street Blues and Boogie Bar. We'll see. Yeah. On August 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, they have another show that's on their website right now at the Moto Blot Drive-In in Chicago on August 30th. The The time isn't there, so it's a TBA. Who knows if that's going to happen? Hopefully it does. And then they've got another date at Bourbon Street on the 5th of September at 7 p.m. And I think they were supposed to go to Europe or go to Switzerland this year, and that got canceled. I think it was in May. And it looks like right now that is set to happen like in may of 2021 and uh i think the other thing it's probably not on their website but they'll tease it out a little bit is uh this budding romance is turning into a wedding at some point which is yeah the the romance will continue but uh, maybe that's what makes them so good you know How, how would you be a musician hold down a job and you're married maybe you have a kid how do you handle that now that's tough if anybody can do it they can yeah they're awesome Songs in this interview that we will focus on, you will hear Knee High and Rising, Something's Gotta Shake, and Hot Wire Woman. And I think it was Hot Wire Woman that was performed live. Yeah, Hot Wire Woman's a good one. And um, I guess that the other thing is, so they, they've, like a lot of these bands, they do um, have their wearables and their, um, their, their shop, their online shop. And Donna does some of the design, and they have some other folks that help them, but her Hot Wire Woman t-shirt... It's it's a good one. It's sexy. I ordered it and I really like it. So if you want to find their music, you can find it on Spotify and iTunes. If you want to find more out about the Hijivers, you can find them on their website at thehijivers.com. That's H I J I V E R S. Thehijivers.com. If you want to find them on Facebook, it's at the Hijivers. Just Search for hijivers; yep. they'll come up. And they and do some live broadcast. Uh, they do, yes. Live playing. What do you call that these days? Facebook Live. Yeah. Yeah. It's live stream. There you go. And they, they do, do Facebook streaming. live stream every couple of weeks or so, which is which is really interesting to be able to see them perform without a full band. Mm-hmm. It's kind of awesome. Um, Of course, we'd rather see them with a full band live. Um, You can also reach out to them if you have a question or you want to book them go to the hijivers at gmail.com and with that said i'm not sure there's anything else we need to say because we've been talking way too long more than an intro but you'll love the interview hunter come here come introduce the hijack and so now i'm gonna let my nephew hunter who has never been on a podcast before introduce the hijivers to you ladies and gentlemen here is the hijivers there you go thanks for listening good job Yeah. 
got the high jivers with us coming to us from North Nashville. We're in the Jennifer and I are in the G town studio in Germantown and uh, you're not too far from us, but um, we've got Donna Zahn and Austin John joining us. How are you guys doing today? Great. How are y'all doing? Thanks for having us. We're making it through these COVID (laughs) times. How many times is it these unprecedented times, these challenging times, these yeah. uh, difficult times, but it's just whatever. It's these times. <laughs> They're all challenging times. <laughs> so y'all have been here since 2015, right? 14. 14. 2014. Yeah. The band started in 15. You've been here a long, long enough time. What's your favorite venue in Nashville to play? I'd say Acme is pretty, pretty high up on the list. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It has a really cool mix of locals and tourists, and they take really good care of their musicians. So. Is that right? Nice. Yeah. Great stage. Good sound, good, yeah, stage, good stage, good food. Yep. Do they do live music on every floor or just certain floors? Because uh, I know um, they have lots of different tiers. Yeah, on the first floor and then sometimes on the rooftop yeah. for special events and stuff. Yeah. Now, I, I watched you guys, but I was watching and... Donna, I heard you talk about Bob Seger. I have to bring this up. <laughs> we're going to go right into Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going in. Hot. So, so I was watching it, and he was downstairs working on something. He came up, and I rewound it, and I'm like, just watch. And he's enjoying it, and then all of a sudden, you're talking about some of your favorite artists of all time and some of these songs. And then she said, but I got to throw it out. Yeah. The Bob Seger's my guy. And I'm telling you. I think Austin said, yeah, Muddy Waters and all these <laughs> like classic guys. And yeah. he said Bob Seger. Like, what was the song well, you like? We get that night moves. Yes. I love it. I loved that song forever. Working well, you know, on we get the that night question moves. A lot, like what's your favorite song? What's your favorite artist? And obviously we love all the old blues guys and stuff, but I think it's, it's kind of more exciting to throw something unexpected. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we both like Seeger. Yeah, we love Seeger. So right now, and I guess, you know, when you guys, before you moved here, let's just kind of go to that. What's the story before you came here? And if I, and I read right, you guys were in the Finger Lakes in in upstate New York, which we lived in Corning for. Oh, really? Four years. years. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty close. Super close, yeah. And so we, um, we're from the Auburn, New York area. Yep. We actually went to Union Springs High School, both of us. Yeah. Um, and we both had our own bands for years. And then in our early 20s, literally like less than a year before we moved here, we started playing in the same band. And shortly after that, we started dating and then decided to move to Nashville. Yep. And we moved very quickly. <laughs> was there a lot of great places to play up there or was it mostly uh, like local gigs or? <laughs> I don't know if I'd say a lot of great places. I mean, there, there are a couple of really cool spots and still are. Um, but there's, there's a pretty good blues scene up there. Yeah, lots of, lots of like classic rock cover bands and stuff too, but there's, there's a handful of really solid blues bands in the Finger Lakes area. Yeah. It was just kind of, we were playing the same circle over and over again. And, you know, we, I was playing in a band, she was playing in a band and I was like, you know, I think you can sing really good. That's quite a pickup think- line. <laughs> <laughs> you sing <Hello>. party. <laughs> yeah. I, think, then- I think what you said was that you like them tattoos. <laughs> That's, well, yeah, so- That's a good yeah. thing. Tattoos are just awesome. So do you have a local Thank artist? You. Do you have somebody in Nashville you found yet? Or do you oh, go somewhere else? I have a tattoo in Nashville, but my brother does most of my tattoos. He lives in Buffalo, New York. So I get a, 
Christmas tattoo every year and usually a birthday tattoo too. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go to Buffalo then. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind going in the summertime. No, you don't want to go in the winter. <laughs> awesome. So, okay. So back to New York, sorry to pull you out of that for, for the tattoo uh, recommendation, but so what, yeah, well, yeah. You, what got you here? We were, yeah, we were playing in two different bands and then I started playing with hers and I was like, man, I think we can really put a really cool band together down in Nashville, you know, cause I kept hearing about people moving there and places to play. So we were probably only dating in what, four or five months to move down. Yeah. Did you know anybody quick. here? No, we literally got in the car and had an apartment and that was it. Well, we came like the, before we actually moved here, we came down for a weekend and just, you know, apartment searched and hung out a little bit, saw some live music, but that was like our first Nashville experience was just, we have two days to find an apartment and then we got to go <laughs> home and wrap everything up at home. And yeah. it worked out though. You moved here in 2014. So what you guys came down, you searched it out. What were your first thoughts as you, uh, September 1st, we moved. Uh, well, when we, I'd say like the first six months we were here, we were really intimidated, honestly. Yeah. I know Austin had some days, some self-doubt. Um, you know, there's the first places we would really hang out were like Roberts and Acme and stuff. And there's a lot of country pickers and that really wasn't something that Austin had ever experimented with before. So I think that we had some doubts whether we could be successful here, not being country artists. And I, we were just pretty intimidated, honestly. And we didn't have a band yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were wondering how we'd convince somebody to, to be in our band when there's so many other people to play with. We were going to like jams and stuff, trying to meet people and just trying to, you know, make connections and whatnot. Eventually, we met our bass player, Hank Miles. It was at Bourbon Street, actually. We didn't meet him. The house band was like, hey, there's this bass player that, you know, looks like he'd be a good fit with you guys. And he wasn't there that night, but he like gave us his info. And I was like, okay, cool. And I just texted him. And I was like, hey, you want to hang out and, you know, talk about having a band? And he was like, yeah. And then we, uh, he brought a friend of his, Aaron Velasco, and we just, you know, hung out for a bit, all like the same music, and that's kind of how we started. Yeah. That was like, yeah, like six months later after moving there. So were you all able to do any gigs together, just the two of you before that, or? We did. I think we did one, one or two. Yeah, I think we did. Because we, we had done an acoustic duo act before we moved down here up yeah. in Finger Lake, so. yeah. We did like one or two gigs and then, but we wanted to But they were, they were more like, uh, what do they call it? Like almost like songwriters rounds kind of yeah. things. Yeah. We've never done any of that since. <laughs> this is not really our vibe. Yeah. So yeah. What does that look like when you come down here and you think this is the Nashville dream, we're going to make this happen. And you literally just start going to venues and talking to people. Like what does that get to, to a point where you're like, okay, now we're in. Well, I think going back to Acme, I think when we got a gig at Acme, that was one of the things where we're like, oh, this is really cool. Like, this feels good. This is a great place to play. I can't even remember how, I think just emailing them over and over again. Yeah. But we, we got a residency at, remember the wheel? I don't know when you guys moved to Nashville. Yeah. Right across the street from Roberts. It was one of the last divey spots. And somebody that we knew got us in there. It was like Sunday nights from 10 to 2 a.m. We like, were so we were like Broadway. We had like yeah. a weekly but like it's so funny. We were yeah, we were so stoked. But the thing that was great about that time slot was obviously it was terrible as far as like making money and that kind of thing. But like playing four hours every week was like so good for a band just starting out. Yeah, 
like trying to figure out what we are, what we're trying to do. And then eventually we started doing Fridays and we play two, two to six. At the wheel? We, at the wheel, at the wheel yeah. yeah. And then we go back to the door to the full moon saloon and we play six to 10. So on Fridays we we're playing from two to 10 and we were just getting better all the time. I thought, you know, so I mean, you, you play guitar for that long, you're, you're probably going to. Well, and let me tell the guests that are listening to this. If you have not heard Donna, or, or heard Austin on the guitar, heard Donna sing. Unbelievable. So, you know, great voice. You're a, you're kill it on the damn guitar. It is just nuts to Thank watch you. you play. So I, I admire it and uh, wish I could do it too. Yeah, it's, it's all over the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was good when we first started out. We just kind of figured out what we were and stuff like that. So, yeah, we were doing like... Eventually, it turned into like four night four nights on Broadway. We were playing. We're like, wow, this is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, we've only been here not very long. So what? What There's is? Probably, go ahead. A lot to be learned playing on Broadway, but it's it obviously wasn't the end goal for us. And after doing it for a while, we started to get pretty antsy. Like, okay, where else can we start to get some gigs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually just wanted to play, you know, all over the place. Yeah. First, it was let's play here, and then it was like, okay, we got to go on the road, you know. From what I've heard, it's really not easy to make money or make a living. You're doing it for some visibility and the practice and stuff. But what's it like to to try and survive on being an artist on Broadway? What's you know, what's the model? <laughs> we've honestly we can't really speak on that because we've always had jobs outside of the band. Yeah, and so, I mean outside of being laid off because of COVID, but we but always maintained other jobs. But still, at the time, even when we were playing those gigs, like we. We were making pretty we, yeah, we were making pretty good money down there too, which we would, this is probably going to come across bad, but sometimes other musicians would say something along the lines of what you said, that how can you survive? And we would kind of chuckle like, we make pretty good money. <laughs> good. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, you obviously have to ask for tips, which is very, very uncomfortable. And I think that because we were playing quite a few spots a week, we got, we got over being uncomfortable with that. We knew that that was just what we had to do. Sure. Um, I kind of got my, my shtick down. And she's, uh, she's pretty hardcore. I was, I was pretty good at hustling for them <laughs> tips. I mean, I had to. Yeah. That was a, I mean, looking back on it, that was a really fun time playing four to eight hours a day. Like that's a long gig, you know? yeah. especially, especially for a singer. It's when you crazy. were, when you were at home in the, at New York, were you playing that much before you came down here? Yeah. Yeah. We mm-hmm. were, I would say the summer before we spring and summer before we moved down here, we were playing between our multiple bands we had and our duo three to four nights a week. Yeah. If not more. If not yeah. more. Yeah. We would play like weeknights at little bars and restaurants as a duo full bands on the weekends. Yeah. It's fun. I yeah. imagine you have a lot of followers that are up in the Finger Lakes area. Yeah. It's always fun to play some shows when we come back home. Yeah. Do, do you have some of those folks come down here? Oh yeah. 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 Quite a few times we've had somebody out in the audience be like, "Hey, it's me from Auburn." <laughs> well, good. You got to bring. You got to bring the. What do they call them? The Yankees down to learn. <laughs> that, yeah. Learn learn the Southern ways, but. They <laughs> love it in Nashville. Yeah. You know, I, I got a feeling though that Donna never had a problem with the whole Yankee thing because she's got that that Southern. Just I don't know where you, where'd you get that. Well, there's a vibe. <laughs> you got a Southern vibe going on. People ask me that a lot. And I mean, I traveled a lot as a kid. My mom, my mom was a military brat, so she lived all over the place. So I think that influence has something to do with it. But um, I mean, I love the Finger Lakes, but I'm, I'm not one of those people that's like, this is where I'm from and this yeah. is what I'm all about. I just, 
I've never really felt that way. You just um, morph, morph to where you are and be, be a part of it. Yeah. I'm, why not? I mean, I, I wanted to be here for, for a lot of reasons. So it just makes sense to, to kind of go with the flow. It, your <laughs> voice is just that, like, it's like going to church. So, well, I, that's a huge compliment. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I meant it that way. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so as, as the hijivers formed in 2015, Right. That's what year that was. Yep. So how did that go over the next couple of years? Because you, you went from, first off, not even knowing anyone in this town to secondly, having a band and then, you know, you're getting gigs. So, you know, what were the ups and the, the downs and the bumps in the road and those types of things? Well, like we said earlier, it was we were we were playing down there all the time got to this point where we're like, okay, we need to we need to branch out of here. You know, you just do the same thing over and over. We were making money, but you know, we want to play all over the country and all over the world. So uh, we started figuring out how to do that. We started booking stuff. We started booking tours and went through a couple of different drummers too. Yeah. I think that's, that's been a challenge because we don't have, we never had a consistent drummer really um, got to play with lots of great guys, but that can be very challenging when you're playing a few nights a week and you're scheduling drummers and trying not to get things mixed up. And if you get offered a gig, but you can't find the guy to play drums. So that's been challenging. Yeah, that's what it changed. But I think one of the consistent ups, though, is like anytime you get a, a new gig somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it be a consistent like once a week thing in Nashville or playing a new festival for the first time, those are definitely the highs of being an independent band because we do all that booking ourselves. That's what I was going to ask. Do you have to kind of put yourself and seek and pursue these new opportunities or are you finding now things are coming to you and you're just selecting your path from here? It's a mix of both. Yeah. We do all the booking, like I said, in Austin primarily. Um, so what that kind of looks like is we'll get offers from festivals. And then if it's a tour situation, you know, you've got these kind of landmark shows, which would be those festivals. And then we're like digging on the internet and emailing and calling to fill in the other dates with clubs and bars. And stuff. So what kind of festivals do you look for? What, what, what are some of the, the, the ones that maybe people don't know about? Uh, I mean, my favorite is the blues festivals. I mean, that's kind of, I mean, to me, we're mostly a blues band. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But we don't, I mean, it doesn't really, any festival that we play, we're just stoked to, you know, they want us to play there, you know. Um, we, we played a lot of rockabilly festivals in Vegas and then overseas, a few that were really fun. I think when you have an opportunity to play a festival, though, that's not so clearly defined um, in terms of genre, it's really cool because you know that you're going to be introducing your band to a new audience. You get the opportunity to meet different people and it's not, I mean, there's certain groups of people that you're pretty confident they're going to like what you do. So it's, it's kind of fun and challenging when you have a, a fresh audience. Yeah. And I'm sure the audience, it's fun because they don't know what they're getting either, right? They're just showing up to a music festival and wow, this is what you're about. So I can imagine that's pretty cool. So and I read that you did a video at the Nashville Palace. Which song? Was that uh, Knee High and Rising? Or? That was uh, Hot, Hot White, White Woman. Woman. Yeah, Hot White Woman. So that got you some exposure internationally? It did, yeah. It helped us a great deal. It was funny because I was I was playing a gig with a buddy of mine, and this videographer uh, Chris McGee, Popflix, he comes up. He was like, "Hey, man, I really want to do a video with your band. You know, I saw you guys this weekend, and I knew exactly who he was. And I was like, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. and we were actually doing a photo shoot right after I played that gig at the Palace. So it was really perfect that all the band was there, and we were just like, well, where do we do it? And how do we get a bass? And, you know, that kind of running thing. around like mad trying to find like a snare drum and yeah. 
so drum anyway, sticks and all that stuff. We just went in the dressing room and played the song a couple times. And I didn't know. I mean, I thought it would help us a tiny bit. You know, some mm-hmm. people might see it, but it, it definitely helped us a lot playing overseas and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that that's what in in you know, I come from corporate America. That's what we called guerrilla marketing. So you're like, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you're packaging your own stuff and you get somebody that says they want to help you and you're like, yeah, let's do it, right? Grind down. So it goes on it goes on YouTube and somebody saw you in Europe and then how does that happen? Well, Chris, who does bot flicks, and you should definitely look him up if you've not looked at some of their other videos. He's wonderful. Okay. Um, he's from UK. Mm-hmm. So he already has all these connections in this fan base in Europe. Um, so what was the first festival? The Rockabilly Rave? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started to get emails from mostly Rockabilly festivals or, you know, like vintage, like American roots music type festivals over in Europe. And it was all because they saw that video. Yeah. Now is that So you talk about international roots music scene. I mean, that's, is that big in other countries right now? Yes. Huge. Oh. Uh, I mean, we've, we traveled to Mexico City, um, yeah. the UK, and Spain, and all those places have a huge scene for like mid-century culture, roots music, rockabilly, early rock and roll, rhythm and blues. It's huge there. Dancing, the cars, all that stuff. Huh. So, what's the difference of playing over there than most venues over here? And you know, obviously, you guys have not only played Nashville. I mean, you travel, and and you know, I think you guys were touring in January. You had some dates. Uh, but what's the difference of going to Europe versus playing here? I think that people are a lot more enthusiastic about the music. Huh. And I mean, maybe that's because we're coming in from America. Maybe it's just to see somebody from overseas, not particularly us. But we've heard that from a lot of a lot of our friends that are musicians, too. Well, I, I wonder if there's more of an appreciation for music in, in Europe as well. That's, that's yeah. It, that's, could, it could very well be. I mean, maybe it's one of those things where, you know, they just don't, they're not as grateful for it here because the music is from here or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think one of the things, too, that, you know, Tony's trying to really accomplish in this podcast, too, is to show that you don't always just listen to what you're fed, you know, whatever's being fed to you, whether it's back when FM radio was what you listened to or streaming or just what's being promoted. It's go and, and find what's real, what's raw and what you like. And that, I think, I think social media has changed that dramatically. Um, people are able to seek out what they want, not just what's being pushed to them. So I guess, can you guys talk about when you first came here, did you view social media as a platform for your success or, and how do you view it now as a part of your model? I mean, we, we post stuff now and then, but I was, I'm always just concerned about the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't think that's true because I think that you're really good with social media stuff. Well, I mean, maybe I, I'm all right with it, but I'm just saying like, I never felt like, okay, we have to like do all this. You're not, you're not reading books about uh, how to master Facebook or Instagram <laughs> or anything. Yeah, no, I'm sitting there trying to practice. And, yeah. you know, just be a better musician but I think time. it's grown on us. I think that we've realized the importance of it. I mean, he's... Clearly, you're saying your priority is being a good musician, but if you're not promoting and marketing yourself, then it's going to fall flat. Right. Because that really is one of the few places that people look for new music now on Instagram. And I think that's what changed is people, I guess musicians probably before were waiting for some promoter to get them the money through whatever avenue they brought it. But now I think there's this like, I got to make this happen for myself 
And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not going to wait for somebody to put me on a record label. I'm going to go find my audience and, and connect with them there. So it, it, it's just been an interesting, I mean, we're older than you guys, but to watch that evolution. No, we're not. <laughs> oh, bless him. That's what they say here in the South. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just think it's been interesting to watch how people built a career on finding an audience and whether it was the empowerment side, we got to do this for ourselves versus the I'm waiting for somebody to make it happen for me. Yeah. That's but, exactly. oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it's like in this town, if you get the music machine behind you and they're going to spend millions of dollars to put you out there and they are pushing these guys, no names need to be said. We all know who they are. There's, you know, a couple of dozen of them at the most, but it's like, it's just forced down everybody's throat in this country and it's like 50, well, I don't know, 50 years ago is wrong. 70 years ago, it was it was more organic where something got played on the radio and then it went to the next county and the next county and the next county. Yeah. It was a lot less competitive. Yeah. We're, we have this crowd of, of yeah. fans that they want a physical product still. Yeah. I don't think that's the case for all genres, unfortunately. So you mean like but- your vinyl? You can sell... You can sell physical, yeah, not digital. You know, we, we sell, we have our website and we sell CDs and vinyl and we've talked to other musicians that are in different genres and they, I don't think they can really relate to that because everybody just wants that download. And we still, obviously we still offer the downloads, but I don't know. I think it's definitely has to do with the genre too. So, you know what, for you all, we saw you play. So the first time I ever saw you was at Bourbon Street Blues um, on Printer's Alley. Is that what it's on? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I get that messed up, but I saw you play there. I think it was late 2019, and then I saw you again in 2020, and then all of a sudden, things went from busy. And and if I look at you guys, you guys are like at this point where for a lot of things, you're like getting ready to blow up, and then COVID hits. <laughs> so what's what's the last five months been like for you all? <laughs> it's been interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went from playing all the time and, uh, I mean, this year was supposed to be our busiest year we've ever had, you know, we were, we were touring in, in June, yeah. all, of July, all of August. I don't know. At first it was funny because I thought this was going to kind of pass over, you know? So Don was like, I don't know, we might have to cancel these tours. And I'm like, nope. And I'm sitting there still booking everything and like still going hard. And it just came to the point where I was like, wow, this is really bad. You know, this, this is going to happen. So we've just started working in other ways at the house, you know, we're working on a new album. Um, I'm practicing guitar all the time, trying to, trying to be better. We're, we've been practicing as a duo for the live streams, just trying to put all that uh, focus somewhere else. Cause you know, we can't play live, which is exactly what we want to do, but we just can't right now, you know? Well, it's scary though. Cause we don't know if we're going to pick up where we left off. Nobody, yeah. I mean, nobody knows. You have right. absolutely right. Idea what's going to happen. You know, we're, we think a very uh, conservative sort of guess is that we'll be touring again by the spring, maybe, but we really don't know. You just have to kind of, you have to put some kind of feelers out there, you know, you have to have some kind of intention, I guess, but sure, we have, we have no, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe there won't be live music for years uh, on a bigger scale. I mean, more festivals and whatnot, but that's one of the bigger. Yeah. Is- I, I- Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, is there a bright side to this for you? <laughs> because I think that's the other thing. I think for an independent musician, I think that I think that most artists, 
whether the music machine is behind them or not, are not releasing anything right now. I think they're holding on to it until things open up back up. And I think independent artists are the same way, but you have this opportunity probably through social media, which I think you've taken advantage of. But do you guys see that as the bright side or is there a bright side for the last five months for you? I, I would say, yeah, because it's it's hard to say, yeah, though it makes me feel kind of guilty because we have yeah. so much touring, but like Austin said, we've had so many opportunities to rehearse and we're yeah. working on new music, which we wouldn't have been able to work on all that stuff until winter time because of all the touring we would have been doing. I think that it probably, it could have been more rushed at that point too, because who knows how much time we would have had to do it. So now it's, it's like we have all the time in the world to work on these songs and sort of perfect them and make them what we want them to be. So I think that's a, that's a positive. Yeah. I mean, we just try to stay optimistic anyway, you know, you know whatever keep ha- keeps happening every month for, you know, it's like, okay, well, we got to work on this and we got to start working on this and try not, try not to get down from it, you know? Yeah. You can do your own time management a little bit, right? Kind of get your own yeah. goals. And so one of the big yeah. looming questions out there, and you teased it a little bit on your, um, on your live stream, but so you have had a phenomenal bass player, really enjoyed listening to him. Can you talk a little bit about, um, can his next steps and then what that means for you guys and your next steps. And obviously everybody is just waiting with bated breath to figure out what's next. So how do you want to, how do you want to address that? Uh, so we absolutely adore Hank. We were heartbroken when he told us that he was going to move. Um, but Hank's he's a metal fabricator. He works on custom cars and that's another enormous passion of his and has been mm-hmm. as long as he can remember. So he's, so he came over one day and he just told us that, He's just getting kind of exhausted with the touring and he wanted more of a home life and wanted to pursue his other passion and that he had had a, an opportunity to interview at a custom shop down in Austin, Texas. So he went and he was given the job on the spot and he moved to Austin. That's cool. And yeah, he could, it, it is he could probably cool. still play from time to time there if he doesn't want to travel, yeah. right? I'm sure he will once uh, the COVID stuff kind of levels out, but um yeah, we're happy for him. We're we're very happy for him. Like we we miss him so much. Um, I mean, we we have a group text. We talk to him all the time. He will it's, always be. He's going to be in our wedding next year. Like he's one of our very best friends. So we'll always have the memories. But it's it was, it's sad. It is. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we ever did. We did like one gig without him right before this COVID thing happened. You know, and I just remember. I mean, we played with him for five years. Mm-hmm. Almost. And then, you know, you play with somebody else. It's just, it's just a weird thing, you know? I mean, he's, he's our dude. There's a chemistry, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like a heartbeat or a pulse that goes with that. So yeah. it's probably got to be strange. Player. Yeah. Great player and great person. So his sense of humor will be missed for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there, there will be a future, right? So you're, you're. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. So we've, we've got somebody um, in mind, but, you know, with everything going on, we just don't really feel like it's the right time yep. to yeah. sort of confirm or announce what's going to happen. But we, we've got a pretty good handle on it, um, and we're, we're really excited about it. But we're, we're going to wait. I think, just like you were saying earlier, that, um, you know, you think that people are waiting to release music. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to wait to release who this new bass player is going to be. No, and we, and we've got a lot of local guys. If we start to play in Nashville, we've got tons of great bass players that are willing to play with us and fill in in the meantime. So we're very grateful for that. Yeah. And that's what you call a teaser, folks. So stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about uh, you guys play us a song? All right. 
And, and if you get, if anybody needs to refresh their drinks, we can take a break too. But if not, I do. Can... I, need, I need a beer. Okay, you you go refresh yours. I'm gonna go refresh mine. You can refresh right mine back. while you're at it. Next time you guys are playing out and we're there, we'll buy that first round for you. Well, no, we're uh, gonna talk about that here in a minute because I think I think they've got some dates we can talk about, but we'll get to the music first. Ready? Ready? <laughs> what are you gonna play? I'll play a Howard Woman. Awesome. I'm wearing the t-shirt, everybody. It's awesome. Check out the merchandise page, but we'll get to that later.
to see that. I want to see that in the same room with a full band. <laughs> that was so good. Awesome. Great and song. Love watching. Look, he he's he's the aspiring guitarist. I'm just the the loving wife who sits on the couch with a glass of wine and watches. But the finger work, I'm no expert. <laughs> it's all over the place. It's amazing. Yeah. So awesome job. You're the inspiring. He's aspiring. <laughs> That's right. And, and I, I don't think I'll ever get there. So. <laughs> Maybe when I retire. There was one point where he started playing and he started playing some Towns Van Zandt and Oh, I play slow stuff. Slow stuff. But then he goes, I really think maybe I should just go down to Broadway and do that thing on the sidewalk where you just open it. And I, yeah. Oh, baby. No, honey, not yet. No. <laughs> I think I'm better to do a podcast and focus on folks like you. So what, you know, obviously you like to play your own music, but if you had a favorite cover, what is it? Uh, mine personally would probably be Extra Jimmy's. <laughs> what was that? Uh, this tune called Extra Jimmy's. It's a it's a fabulous Thunderbird song. Okay. Like, uh, yeah. It's a Jimmy Vaughn guitar. There's no vocals in it. That's, that's <laughs> there you why. Go. You and Ronnie Crutcher could go all day. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, I think one of mine is um that Ike Turner tune that we do just one more time. Yeah, fun. Yeah, that one's really cool. That's on our new EP. Oh, do good. You, do you ever do any Janis Joplin? Oh, we used to. Gosh. She's she's wonderful, you know. It's funny though. I'm sure you guys know that a lot of the stuff she did was covers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we, yeah, it's we, hard to do Janis Joplin when she's doing something else, right? <laughs> yeah, because it, it was all old blue stuff that yeah. we you know that we really dig anyway. So we thought about putting some Janis on the set list. I'm like, well, why wouldn't we just do this version? That's what she was actually covering. But she she's wonderful. We love her. Mercedes Benz is that a cover that she did? Isn't that the name of that song? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? I love that one. So what what does it take to be dedicated to what you all are doing? Because first off, I'd say you all been here six years, and you've gone from not knowing anyone to playing in other countries, and you're doing it all independently. So, you know, what does it take to go from where you were in 2014 to 2020? And, you know, 2020, like I said, was going to be a great year, but there's always 2021. So, you know, yeah. what does it take to get there? 2022. <laughs> 2022. Oh, don't say just, that. <laughs> just just working hard and keep pushing forward. I mean, that's, that's literally all we've done. We've, we've never followed some kind of formula that somebody has done before us or anything. We just want to play so we're just like okay if we play here let's try to play here oh they want us to play let's go over here and do that oh we need to do an album let's write an album you know just just keep pushing all the time that's literally all all we've done you know um well we'd be lying if we said that there weren't other things we've passed up or given up on or missed out on in order to keep up with the demands of being an independent band you know whether it just be like going to a party or hanging out with your friends or Going to see a concert, yep. that would be one. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah. Well, I think you got it right here. It's it's right here. And it's one of those things that if you've got it, you got that, you're going to do what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, all you we know, can we, do. We moved all the way down here. It was like, let's, let's, 
let's get after it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not time. So that's, that's what we've been trying to do. So to keep pushing. be the ultimate chick in this room anyway, what does the relationship side of this mean to how you guys have been successful? Has it made it easier? Has it made it harder? And then um, – and then I want to hear about the proposal because the wedding's still coming up, although it's been postponed. So how did all that go down? Um, I think it's really important to note that we never had a relationship that didn't involve being in a band. Yeah. So we, as I mentioned before, we had gone to high school together and we were acquaintances. We started playing in my old band together before we started dating. So that's kind of always come first. I mean, not, not to say that we don't, you know, value and prioritize our relationship, but that's such an enormous part of it that it, it's just, it just kind of works that way. It's a family I mean, business. It's all you know, right? It is What's a family that? business. It's the family business. It's what you know. So yeah, exactly. I mean, we, I think that, you know, we make time for each other and for ourselves, like any other couple does. Um, and sometimes that's harder than other times, depending on what we have going on with the band, but I guess that's another positive to being laid off and being home all summer. We've got to spend a lot more time together off stage. That's been really refreshing. Have you all well, gotten we, into a routine? Eh. Depends on the day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but when I, when I was uh, growing up, my grandfather and my grandmother had a dairy farm to get, you know, they, they built a whole, you know, 500 cow dairy farm from nothing and watching them, you know, interact and try to nurture their relationship and the farm. I don't know. That was always very interesting to me, even as a kid. And I don't know. I kind of learned. learned from that. Yeah. Uh, and I think we have something similar. You know, we try to grow our business, but still make sure to make time for each other. You know, still. That's uh, worth that work ethic and family. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Get it. For a lot of years, we were in the same industry. So it was the dinner talk. You have to like find those boundaries. Like, are we completely talking about nothing but our in common work? Or are we talking about um, us as a family and as a relationship and making sure that they both coexist? But when you're passionate, which you guys clearly are, it's hard to not make it the the focal point of the relationship too, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a challenge sometimes, but... We try to find like new things that we like to do together too. Like we went kayaking recently, you know, just little things like that, that we both enjoy. That's something outside of music. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to stand up paddle boarding in Nashville? <laughs> Don't do it. No, that kind of scares me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blast, but apparent when you're apparently when you're 280 pounds and carry your weight up high, the center of gravity doesn't work as well on a stand up paddle board. I'm just big boned. <laughs> So the first time you played out of out of the country, so that had to be like wow. I mean, how how did you feel about that, and how did that work out for you? And where was it? It was very very exciting. Yeah. I I personally I I was incredibly nervous the first time we played overseas. It was like all those feelings I had when I first played a gig came rushing back at me like I'd never been on stage before. Uh, but but after we did it once or twice, I kind of got over that, you know. Yeah. Where was it? Uh, in the UK. Mm. At uh, the Rockabilly Rave. All right. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. I was just so excited that we had the opportunity to play over there. And I was, yeah, I was just, I mean, obviously I was a little nervous, but I was just stoked. 
<laughs> I think it was a really different experience too, because the video, that hot wire woman video that we previously talked about, we knew that that had become pretty popular in that like UK scene. Yeah. And so we knew that a lot of the people in the audience had become fans of ours, like through that video. And this was their first time seeing us live. So we we're just like, Oh God, what if we let them down? What if they don't really like us? <laughs> so that had a lot to do with it. Didn't happen. Did it? They, yeah. they liked you. <laughs> hey man, there's, there's always going to be some people that don't. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There, there were some people that didn't like it. I specifically remember hearing about it after like some <laughs> people like us. It's like, okay, well, really sorry. <laughs> give them the Johnny yeah. cash. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the next band. They'll be right up. Well, you, you know, you talk about, you talk about playing a festival where it's a hundred percent rockabilly and we come in there and play blue shuffles and <laughs> yeah. A little bit of rockabilly influence, and you know, some people are gonna like that, and some people are gonna be like, "Hey, man, it's a rockabilly festival. What yeah. are you doing?" You know? <laughs> so, yeah, those rockabilly guys are a little—they're uh, a little edgy sometimes. A little pretentious, huh? <laughs> it's it's kind of like whatever genre is up—you know, whoever is obsessed with whatever genre. You go in the blues genre, and they want it to be authentic. It, it has to be exactly what it was in the fifties, yeah. or it has to be. Steve Ray Bond, or it has to be Joe Bonamassa. You know, just pick and choose whatever person you they think it needs to be. So, so there's haters everywhere, is what you're saying. There's haters exactly. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Can't avoid it. We'll play the rockabilly festivals. We're not rockabilly now. If you play the blues festivals, you're not bluesy enough. Uh, play the American festivals, you're not American enough. <laughs> I love it. So, where'd you guys get the name, the High Jivers? Our drummer, uh, our first drummer, Aaron Velasco, uh, thought of it, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, it was from an old book that was called uh, Simply the Blues, and I'm not going to remember the author. So yeah, the, I already read that in the interview you had with the uh, the something review or whatever. The Bad Review? Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the guy's name. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it was a book all about like jazz culture back in the, I believe, in the 40s. Yeah. And there was a line where they were talking about the you know, high drivers. I love it. Sweet talking, high jiving, <laughs> seemed appropriate. Totally. <laughs> so, at this point, what does the future have in store for the high jivers? Um, you know, I see some things upcoming on your social media, but uh, what can you tell us about the next maybe six months to a year, pending that we don't have any more, you know, quarantines or whatever? Well, we got we're working on a new album. Hopefully, we'll have that done. And out by the spring. That's that's the goal. Um, we're gonna start working on that pretty soon uh, in the studio. Um, obviously, a new bass player sometime when we can perform live again. <laughs> but shoot, other than that, just you know, we're always stocking up on our merch. You know, Donna's always making new design, and cool, cool T-shirts, and so we, we've been trying to keep busy doing that stuff as well. Yeah, and about covers that we we want to get some new music out, and we want more merch so that the people that are already dedicated fans of ours have more fun stuff to buy from our website. And that's been like a, a big uphill climb for us to get kind of a diverse selection of merchandise. You know, it's incredibly expensive to do all that stuff. So that's something we've been plugging along at. Yeah. So a question there on the merch. Um, so do you handle all of that yourself? Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, that's part that. of an independent musician. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah we, we, we designed the stuff. Actually, the t-shirt you're wearing was designed by the Hot Wire Woman when I designed, but a friend of ours in uh, Portugal designed your t-shirt. Right. 
lightning bolts on it. But mostly we design the stuff ourselves. Um, we create the website ourselves. We manage it. We ship it. All that stuff. So since you've played internationally, do you have people that are buying merch from other countries today? Oh, yeah. We, yeah, we sell merch worldwide. Awesome. Yeah. Australia, Japan, Germany, UK, Mexico. We've been shipping a ton of uh, vinyl overseas for stores, you know. Yeah, we've got folks buying our vinyl in bulk to sell in store overseas, too. So that's been really cool. Oh, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I was we, talking to Ronnie Crutcher about that, and he's you got a hookup in Norway or somewhere that does the yeah. same thing and buys a bunch and goes and sells it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really great. It's, it's, you know, it's crazy right now with the, uh, the postal service, like being so slow and everything, you know, I, I ordered the new t-shirt and had it within like 24 hours. Well, you live in Nashville, away. Tennessee. Well, so. it, still, I'm just telling you the service is incredible <laughs> folks. <laughs> I mean, like, she might have driven it down the road, world-class service, and dropped it at my door. But it it was great service. So, well, yeah. if you ever need anything again, I'll just drop it off. <laughs> exactly. No, I might have saved you money, actually. <laughs> but you know, here's the other thing: is I would say, look, I just cleaned out a third of my t-shirt drawer because this, you know, when you're in when you're in Nashville and promoting artists. And it becomes a conversation piece. T-shirts and merchandise and all this becomes, oh, tell me more about that. Or I've seen them. And this is the conversation pieces people are having these days. Do you know more about that band? So I say keep it up. It's awesome stuff. Absolutely. So when is your next live stream on Facebook? Uh, we're not sure yet. Pro- I mean, probably pretty soon, I guess. I think we're going to try to maybe do like a bi-weekly thing. But we're trying to nail down what that schedule is going to look like. We've had, a lot of our international fans have had some concerns over the times that we're that we're going live, <laughs> which is fair. So I don't know if you heard me in the last live stream. I was literally asking them, please let us know at what time would yeah. work for you. So yeah. maybe we'll do like diff, two different time slots or something. I know mm-hmm. a lot of our friends or fans been doing that. I think that's hmm. been well received. Soon we'll do it very soon right. for sure. <laughs> And then, you know, for the people that are listening, where can they find your music today? And I'm going to say, duh, their website, but I'm going to let you guys plug that. Yeah, uh, right on our website. Uh, we got a shop there. We got stickers, CDs, vinyl, T-shirts, posters. But it's on Spotify patches. and iTunes as well. Yeah, so if you want to listen, if you want to stream our music, we're on iTunes, Spotify, just about every musical platform. Do you find I and I just kind of diverting here talking about Spotify and iTunes. I mean, does that how does does that help you get exposure there that helps you? I, I think we do, and I think that obviously I respect everybody's opinion on yeah. it, but from our experience, it just seems like there are so many people, especially the younger generations, that they like I mentioned earlier, like they don't want that physical product. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that they don't even have CD players in their car or they don't have a, a record player. And to not offer some type of streaming is just like shooting yourself in the foot from what, yeah. from what we've experienced. Um, but but the downside do we is, make a lot of money off yeah. of it? No, absolutely not. But I do feel like, especially at our level, when the exposure is so important, that it would just be self. It yeah. would it would be a, such a bad idea to not do it. Plus, plus you know, somebody might hear your songs that you know randomly stumbled upon it or it got added to some playlist. And all of a sudden, like, well, who's this band, you know? Yeah. Well, that's on YouTube a lot. You know, those those YouTube videos we mentioned earlier, we have a lot of people that are telling us that they discovered us on YouTube, which is really cool. Because mm-hmm. they have the, like, you might like this video feature. Right. 
yeah. things that yeah. it connects to. So what, what it becomes the, I mean, and maybe it's just ever changing because things change so quickly. What do you guys have as your like vision board end game? Um, what is the peak of high diver success for you? To me, it's uh, just touring and playing festivals and just, uh, just getting after it like we've been trying to get do, you know? <laughs> I um, sincerely feel like had this summer not been canceled, we would have been very close to, to that vision. Like we, <laughs> obviously, you know, you get your name higher up on those posters, the better that is for, for your wallet and for your exposure and your fan base. But just to be able to tour that as consistently as we were intending to this summer and to be playing new festivals and meeting new fans and stuff, that was, that was pretty close to what the vision is. So we're just super bummed to miss out on all that. We'll get after it soon again. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Here's to High Divers 2021. <laughs> I hope. I will. I, I hope we can get to it. I'll uh, buy that T-shirt. You guys are at uh, Bourbon Street Blues. Bourbon Street Blues Bar, right now, eight twenty-two and nine. Uh, did I have the dates written down? I don't think I did. I can't see my my paper here. I think we've got one there. But you, yeah, you're set to right now. It's all on. Yeah, we'll see what happens. If they stay open, if the city doesn't close them down. But, you know, there's also the side of it that even if they are open, we need to be realistic about the risk that we're going to take by playing in a bar like that. You know, there's there's still a lot of tours coming to town and the the cases are so high that it's it's kind of frightening to be playing in a little tiny bar like that, regardless of if they're, you know, taking precautions. So we, we need to just be mindful of that. That's totally fair. Well, so two more questions and we'll wrap this up. Is there anything that we missed that we should have asked or that you guys are thinking that you wanted to put out there? That's one. Is there anything you're thinking of? I mean, I'm just, we're just really excited to release some new music. Um, I think we both feel like we've written some really cool songs in the past, but we're so excited to have all this time to work on a brand new album and, I think we've learned so much from our recording experiences in the past. I think that this is just going to be our best album yet, for sure. We we're going to take our time with it. We've got some great people we're going to work with. So just, yeah, just stay tuned. We're Don't write us off because you're not a rhythm and blues fan either, because I, we do feel like our music is it's rock and roll, really, when it comes down to it. It has a lot of, a lot of blues influence, a little rockabilly influence. But we really feel like the songs we're writing can be received well by a wider audience. So we're excited for that. (laughs) Awesome. No, I cannot wait for this, for the vinyl to be released, the new album to be released, um, the new music. The vinyl's out now. That's right. You can get it online. (laughs) So it brings me to the last question. And and I think that you guys have been through to come to this city, not know anybody, and go from where you were to where you are today. And I agree. I think that, I think 2020 was going to be a huge year for you all, but I I don't think that you're you're so good that that's going to carry, that momentum's going to carry for you. But that said, you've been here for six years. What advice would you give to other people that are aspiring to be what you you are? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Work work hard. That's the, I mean that's that's the model that I've always been told my whole life. Just work hard and have some talent. Yeah. <laughs> we got to work hard to get the talent, you know? So 
I think that networking is really important too. Yeah. With other musicians, with, with fans, um, with venues. I think it's super important to, to be a nice person and to develop sort of a, a network of friends and people that you can work with mutually beneficial relationships. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't really, you can't do shit without that. I hear you. You find a group yeah. of people that kind of have your back. They look yeah. out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And be that person for somebody else too. I think that's, that's also really important. Don't get, don't get too intimidated by, you know, what you see at first. I think, I think one of the most important things, especially in Nashville, what happened to me was I started seeing all these country pickers and incredible guitar players. And I was like, Oh man, I can't do this. You know, I better pack it up. I better get out of here. You know? And I was like, I don't, I don't really want to start a country band. You know, you know, we're talking about when we first start playing. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, I'm like, well, why don't we just do what we want to do? And I feel like people would like it. Either way, whether they like country, whether they like blues, whether they like whatever genre. So I think that's really important. Just just do whatever you think. Stay true to yourself. Yeah, stay true to yourself. But especially if you do something that's a little bit different, like I think people would latch on a lot quicker. I mean, because, you know, I hate to say it, but there's probably a thousand guitar players here that can play the fastest country licks as quick as I can. And my goal was to play like BB King as slow as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know, man. It's, that was what I figured out early on. I was like, just do what we want to do. Yeah, it's over Hopefully time. people will dig it and go from there. It's got to resonate. Get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that so sincerely. There are so many musicians here that, you know, they come to fulfill this dream and they're, they get in this headspace where they're just like, I'm a musician. This is all I'm here to do. And they don't want to get a job. But it's like, you can have a job and be a musician until you get to the point where you don't have to have the other job. Like I said, we both still have jobs. I've just heard so many people that we know struggling because they don't have that second income. And I just think, just go work a few shifts bartending (laughs) a week or something. I think it would be so helpful to so many people. That's a whole other thing where, you know, we like money. So we're, we're going to work two different we things. Don't, we don't ever want to be broke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Todd Snyder got lucky. He slept on people's couches, but then he made it. <laughs> yeah, if you, you want to have your own place and you want to have a merch store, yeah. get you <laughs> get a job. Get well, a job. We, re- we really appreciate, appreciate you guys doing this and uh, we wish you the best. We love you guys' stuff. I'm telling people out there, if, you're, if you've if you never heard the High Jivers before, Donna Zahn and Austin John, check them out. Thanks for you guys' time. Best to you. I hope 2020, the rest of 2020 is awesome. Thank well, thank you. you so much. We appreciate y'all. We can't wait to see you on the show. Thanks for having we'll us. We'll be there. All right. <laughs> thank you, guys. So that's, thank you. that's the wrap.